Hi, and welcome to Cinemazing Chats. I'm here with Pablo. Oh, hi. <laughs> hi. And um, I'm Erica, and we watched 2008's Marley and Me. So, uh, usually we try to sugarcoat it or, like, uh, maybe not say immediately that it's the worst film ever, but I think we have a new candidate. Like, uh, I thought I always thought Mr. Megorium's Wonder Emporium would be the worst film we've covered, but this might, <laughs> this might edge that one out. It's <laughs> the punishing watch. Yeah, this one was um, edited completely differently than, like, any other movie I've ever seen, I think, so it just... It was like the editing combined with it being a bad story made it particularly difficult to watch. Well, this one was pretty weird because it's definitely uh, marketed as a comedy. And I remember from the trailers, um, I even thought it'd be worse, like just a straight up comedy. Uh, but somehow I felt like this one was a lot more of a drama, if anything. Like, I don't know, nothing about it was really that funny, first of all. And then secondly, a lot of it was pretty sad or like depressing in a way. Um, yes, it is definitely, well, it's called a comedy drama, so I was expecting more comedy, as you said. Let's see, we should mention the director of this, who is David Frankel, who also directed The Devil Wears Prada, uh, and several episodes of prestige HBO comedies, uh, Entourage, Sex and the City, and Band of Brothers. Uh, and looking around at some of the other people, it seems like a lot of the type of people that they just assemble for sort of these, like, mid-tier comedy films. Um, so a cinematographer, you see, has worked on a lot of these uh, types of film, as has the, like, uh, you know, the, the composer. Um, so another thing I thought was really weird about this movie is that it is all about a dog. So you think at some point, you know, maybe they'll get the puppy and it'll be a little rambunctious, but then eventually it'll calm down and you'll grow to, like, love the puppy and the dog as much as the people in the movie. That seems like the very formulaic, you know, Hollywood template that you usually see. But in this one, it was very much like the dog was horrible from the beginning and then never got, never stopped being horrible. This is horrible the whole time, <laughs> which is very strange. Yes, yeah, so it was a strange um, arc with the dog because the, the basically uh, the tagline is like, life and love with the world's worst dog so the dog remains the world's worst dog their entire life i also see the very end i also see one that says this christmas heal the love oh my gosh yeah that actually made me realize this says that it was released on on december 25th 2008 so it was a christmas movie and like set the record for christmas day box office sales at the time so but the hilarious thing is what Christmas? There wasn't that much Christmas in this. It just opened with snow because they're in Michigan. Oh, that's how they get away with it. They just set one scene during Christmas, and then they can technically market yes. it as a Christmas movie, even though that's bullshit. Yes, in some ways, they're playing with the structure there because it opens in Michigan. Well, sort of. Uh, a flashback within a flashback. It opens with them in Michigan getting married on like the worst bliz spring blizzard of the time or something like that and so there's snow and a wedding dress and that would be like the end of a rom-com or something like getting married would be the end of a comedy hmm. but this that's like the beginning of it or something and it just all becomes drama and goes downhill from there or something like that yeah and apparently this movie was successful enough uh you know it's made for about 60 million and made about 247 million that they followed up with a prequel <laughs> marley and me the puppy years but yeah, this movie direct to video. 
this movie per, uh, portrays like a very generic, you know, one of these like comedy sort of uh, Caucasian couples uh, that are just super generic and you can't really remember what even any of them does. Um, except that, of course, Owen Wilson works as a journalist. That's kind of like a big plot arc. But if, if he wasn't a journalist, he would just be an architect or whatever other, you know, bullshit job that not that many people really have. <laughs> yes, he's Ted from How I Met Your Mother or whatever that character is. So yeah, Marley's a Christmas gift uh, from the couple to each other, I guess. Um, or maybe it's Jennifer Aniston to Owen Wilson. Okay, so that was the other part of Christmas. But because they're in Florida, it was like sunny, so it's kind of... Um definitely downplays the christmas a little bit but oh shit and i'm just saying that this whole time i thought it was a uh fictional book like we kind of had that back and forth when we were watching it like is this based on a real book or is it based on a series <laughs> of articles like they show in the movie but actually it's based on a memoir i thought the whole thing was just like fictional yes the josh grogan not josh groban <laughs> josh grogan guy has or john grogan <laughs> i don't know it doesn't That's matter the Owen john grogan yeah John Grogan really had this dog and wrote this memoir. So that book came out in 2005 and was a best-selling book, and then they made it into a movie in 2008, which is absurd. Uh, so I guess this is just this man's boring-ass life with his horrible dog. That I, I mean, I, sorry, I should preface this with, like, I really like dogs. Like, I, I never really owned one, but I would. Like, I, I'm not against dogs. I think we both like dogs. <laughs> I love dogs or whatever uh, from Jupiter's Ascending. <laughs> must love dogs. Yeah, must love dogs. But anyway, the dog in this movie, again, is never sympathetic. That's the problem. I just want to say up front that um, I went searching for like information about dog behavior stuff after this, and I saw an article. I did not fact check it, but I think it was from around you know 2009 or something like that. And it, it did say that the author, the Grogan guy... For his next dog, he actually consulted, like, um, the dog whisperer guy. Oh, yeah, that's what you had mentioned when we were watching the movie, that, that that's what they would solve their problem, if somebody could just, like, dog whisper Marley. Yeah, because they um, pretty much, um, there was one training scene, but apparently that type of obedience where the person's really mean, like, isn't, like, the favored type of obedience. So they pretty much just tried, like, one class... It didn't work out, and then they're just like, oops, we have the worst dog ever. <laughs> yeah. And they blame the dog the entire time. It's really their fault. Well, it's kind of disturbing because the sub, sort of the subplot of this movie is about them trying to conceive and have children and raise children, even though that's shoved way into the background to the point where, like, I don't know any of the children's personalities or names. Like, they didn't really matter <laughs> to the plot of the movie. But it's really just about them failing to raise this dog, uh, essentially. And by the way, um, I just saw this, so I want to mention it. Apparently, and when uh, Grogan wrote his last column, when his dog died at age 13, um, he received over 800 responses from readers, uh, calling, you know, writing in to tell tell them, like what, how much the Marley articles were meant to them. So I find that also interesting. <laughs> Marley is like the text version of Marmaduke to people. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. That kind of makes this whole movie worse for me. Like this whole time I just was like, okay, well at least this didn't really happen. It's probably just like exaggerated from somebody's life. But no, it made it way worse knowing that this is some guy's real, real uh, memoir. Um, just because, okay, there's a lot more to it than just the dog as well. It's like his relationship dynamic with the wife. He has a best friend who's like a former vet or something, Sebastian. 
Yes, played by, I think it's played by the guy who played McSteamy, we decided in uh, Grey's Anatomy. Is that Eric Dane? Yeah, Eric Dane. Yeah, he's McSteamy or whatever. (laughs) I guess 2008 was his height. I always confuse him with the same similar looking actor who's in the Transformers movies. He's in like all those movies. Uh, Is that Josh? Not not Josh Groban again, sorry. Josh Groban. Oh no. Josh Groban should have been in Marley and Me. <laughs> um, well, considering that Marley's named after Bob Marley, maybe it would have been helpful if the guy was a musician or played guitar or something. I don't know. Yeah. That would have been more interesting if it was about a musician. Um, I just want to say my thesis on this film, on this, on, or I in the memoir, I guess, too, is that essentially this is Mr. Magoo. <laughs> Okay. Let me explain. Yes. Let okay. it, let them so, finish. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, like you were saying, they're trying to like conceive and they're kind of just like fumbling through life. Like they're kind of like um, messing up with the dog. And then they kind of are like, there's some weird like resentment stuff where like and she's fighting a, a lot. career than him. Yeah. Or at some point or, she like then, fully um, wants, like when she's super pregnant, maybe the first time or the second time she fully wants him to get rid of the dog. And by the way, there's a miscarriage in this film, which is very sad. It's in that, not, yeah, not there's a lot place, of sad stuff. But like, holy crap. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, so they, um, oh yeah, they have like unplanned pregnancies and she's just like, whoops, now we have three children and like, it's like basically chaos. They have, they have sex before marriage and <laughs> unprotected <laughs> relations. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> Yeah, abstinence only. It's the only way. That's the lesson. Uh, but yeah, so they basically are just like, um, whoops, we don't know what we're doing with the dog. Whoops, we don't know what we're doing with the kid. We're big we're old idiots. House. <laughs> yeah. So uh, anyways, this was just really reminding me of Mr. Magoo, where it's like the dog and the hu- the guy, Owen Wilson, are like running around, um, not really seeing just how dangerous stuff is like and just kind of like mr magooing yes and there is like a montage that's great towards the middle of the movie where marley the dog keeps knocking over the children like this little boy just keeps ramming over him i think it's like a golden retriever we should mention so it's like starts off as a puppy and then they quickly montage and it's a giant dog oh yeah i assume they had tons of dog actors at all dog ages on standby for this also this movie like we it starts in the 90s or something like that and then they like uh and the soundtrack kind of matches it so you get some pretty good songs in there and then it quickly gets bad again uh like licensed music (laughs) but anyway like follows them all through the years up to 2003 presumably this author was writing these articles uh throughout that time right so um yeah, you could definitely tell a lot of it was in the 90s based on how they could, like, afford a house on one salary after she quit her job and all that. It's also very strange. They named the dog after Bob Marley, but I think they only play, like, one Bob Marley song, like, at the very beginning. They're yes. like, oh, you like Bob Marley. You're Marley. And then they never mention it again. <laughs> Maybe there's more in the columns, <laughs> like, oh, today I started with a Bob Marley song that the dog seemed to like. I don't know. <laughs> Not enough the Bob Marley. Yeah. That's... No, that's probably giving them too much credit. I think they just threw that in there. But Erica, I didn't even realize this. Apparently, uh, Jennifer Aniston was more successful in her writing career than Owen Wilson was. Like, I think they probably went over this at the beginning of the movie. But, like, isn't that messed up then? That, uh, I guess, in real life and in the memoir and in the movie, that Owen Wilson was the one who kept writing and then she had to step away? Like, he could have been the freaking house dad. I don't know. 
Yeah, There's I no couldn't tell why. if it was like she's. Yeah, did she want to? Did she just love you know being a mom and that's what she preferred or something? Or is it that she felt the societal pressure to yeah like quit her job? And there's at least a third other strand because the whole thing is he wants to be a field reporter. He doesn't just want to be stuck. Uh, so they keep showing him like interact with his boss, played by Alan Arkin, who is like a big old misogynist in this movie, like his character. Uh, probably the real person he's based oh, on. Yeah, big boomer energy. So yeah, that's that's like, that's like his hero's arc is he wants to be a field reporter, and that's why he keeps like realizing with his friend Sebastian, who keeps t- telling him about his like combat experience. It's that he really wants to go out to Desert Storm or whatever it is throughout the film. Um, yeah, I learned way more about, like, I guess, journalism. Like, there's a thing about him having a weekly column, and that's different from being, like, a journalist. A columnist is different from a journalist. And then something about how his wife was, like, a feature writer, and I guess she was getting, like, on the front page and stuff. But I didn't. I guess she wasn't going to places like Desert Storm. She was just having, well, I don't know, I guess feature articles are different from a column. Anyways, all these are, like, hierarchies, apparently. <laughs> Well, I think he was essentially doing write-up, which is where, like, the big chief, like, says, write this article about, like, this football team won this thing, or, like, this person died. Mm. Just, like, the, not, like, the fluff, but, like, you know, somebody can just pump this out. Yeah, like, the local news kind of equivalent stories, yeah. Just write about what happened. (laughs) Oh, I also think it's weird because this whole thing's about reporting, but then they keep showing shots of Miami, and it's, like, very generic as well. It's, like, very B-roll. Like, you're not getting good sense of the place. Um, I just was... I just thought it was interesting how there was almost um, like a a tension between how they they were treating this like a comedy, like some sort of. You better laugh. (laughs) No, it's good. Oh my gosh! But then yeah, but then it was like these horrible issues, like the miscarriage, or um, that some of their fights were really upsetting, or like um, oh, there was the neighbor who got stabbed in one scene. And he just was like helping her by his by her car collapsing to the ground, and they just cut away because everything's a vignette. And part of this movie is also about white flight because don't they live like in a perfectly fine place? And then uh, I don't know. Yeah, one person got stabbed. No, no, but before that, didn't they move somewhere? <laughs> well, I don't know. I guess that's the reason they moved from that place because one person oh. got stabbed and their mom got scared. I was just looking at it, um, the beginning again, and it's when there's a blizzard in the very beginning, Jennifer Aniston's like, can we move somewhere warmer? Because she doesn't want to live in Michigan, apparently. So the whole movie kind of follows them, like, adjusting to South Miami. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, they did mention voting machines being new, which is kind of ironic, or like, not ironic, but just like, coincidental that it's such a big deal now. Like, maybe all day... Or maybe it's not the mentioned voting machines. I think they just showed him covering people voting, and it's like they didn't have voting machines then. So I'm just like, okay, in between then and now, the problem started. The hanging chads of the future. Or, I mean, presumably that was in, like, the 1999 or something. <laughs> I wrote down that at some point Jennifer Aniston said, you know what else is empty, and I'm not sure what that was referring to, but then I wrote down her womb. Because. <laughs> oh, my God. So... Nest, oh shit we should have talked about this early in the film owen wilson has a conversation with sebastian in which they're talking about like how he has to like dominate jennifer aniston like the only way they'll conceive is if uh you know he becomes the master of something so he has to like master this dog so that it shows that he's a good father or like good potential father yes there's some very weird um i guess you might i guess you might call it a like boomer 
things around domination and like it's there's basically like in the obedience scene uh training episode or it is very episodic jennifer they're like yeah yeah it is like every little story is an episode it's kind of hard to even put them in order because it's just like flash 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 um but yeah so the the trainer person is like which one of you is dominant and then jennifer anison's like oh it's me and so there's some weird thing about like castrating or emasculating men and castrating the dog and he has to become dominant over the dog in order to prove that he's dominant to the woman or something I, it's well all i think bizarre. there's what we would now recognize as some pretty toxic uh traits between this in this relationship and like just gender in general in this movie uh as revealed by like everyone's dialogue but that to me indicates why it was so popular uh in the midwest or wherever uh in the 90s in the u.s mm-hmm. everyone's totally. like yeah it's a real man it's like the same know. it's those midwestern values it's like the same stuff on the bachelor dating show i watch it's like these same toxic ideas about like um the woman wants to be pursued and if the man isn't like stepping up then it's like not a try oh or it's like tom hanks and any of those romantic comedies <laughs> or tim allen <laughs> talking about how there's no more real men and everyone has to be like a caveman and like to bring back masculinity all Ugh, that bullshit. yeah um oh my god or the what women want where you can hear their thoughts <laughs> oh and the person that they get the puppy from is the person who plays max mom on it's always Sunny in philadelphia which is pretty funny but just because she always does this like way different voice as if she's been smoking for like 60 years <laughs> But apparently, uh, I actually looked mm-hmm. her up once for fun, and apparently she's, like, a pretty well-renowned, like, thespian and maybe, like, a playwright as well. So there's, like, this cool indie uh, theater person who just bops around into, like, character roles. <laughs> Amazing. And Marley and me. Oh, wait. There, were, there was a thing. There was a thing. There was lots of cops at the house, and then they asked the lady who gets stabbed later what happened, and they're like, Miles got robbed. So it was two things. Like, that was what introduced us to the neighborhood. Then later she gets stabbed in the thigh by some random guy uh, who they don't really go into. And then they, like, white flight to yet another bigger house. To Pennsylvania or something. Or or wait, no, they go to a bigger house. I don't know. And by the way, they're, like, a single income, like, one journalist family. And somehow they afford these, like, (laughs) giant mansions. Whereas today, they're like, here's $2. Let's buy a house. Oh, my gosh. And you know what blows my mind is, like... Um, he's wanting to be, like, this reporter overseas. I'm like, dude, you have, like, you have people getting stabbed in your front yard and, like, you can't write a good story. Like, you don't have to go to another country to write a good story or something. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Maybe, I guess that's part of the point of the film is, like, he's just doing these, like, slice of life. Uh, I'm just observing things in my hood. Uh, I'm from the streets. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I'm just, like, he's, like... How he thinks of it's himself. It's his gonzo journalism yeah. with his dog. <laughs> My neighborhood's so rough somehow. <laughs> like, are you kidding? Actually, I wouldn't be surprised if Marley and Me is written by the dog. <laughs> the dog's gonzo From the dog's story. point of view of this terrible family. Yeah. Uh, and I knocked down yeah. that kid again, and I was glad. Because that kid is stupid. <laughs> I, yeah. I did look it up. Marley and Me, the puppy years. And in that one, Marley talks. He's voiced. He's frisky and voiced. Um, Marley talks. So I don't have a lot to say about like the early films because it's just a lot of like we're learning how to raise a dog. Like oh man, this dog goes through a lot of food and probably like craps everywhere. Uh, 
and stuff about crating Marley and then like Marley chews up the pillows and the couch. Jennifer Aniston's super pissed about that. Just like, you know, they're not getting along. Um, can I just say, I could not tell if they meant for the irony with, uh, they use that REM song, Shiny Happy People. And I honestly could not tell if they meant that seriously or ironically. I don't know, but there was a few tracks in this movie where like, maybe this licensed soundtrack will be not bad. But then as it keeps going, uh, I don't know, the songs they choose keep getting worse. So it's also like a weird thing about like, I don't know, not, I get, yeah, I guess boomers, right? Like just boomers aging up through the years and like the different music tastes and I don't know. Mm. Are these Gen X or are they boomers? I don't know. Yeah. Well, I guess they're like in their adult years in the 90s. So that'd be Gen X. Okay. So boomers before that. Sorry. Baby boomers. That's right. I don't know. Just, I, yeah. A lot of the values to me seemed like you know, like, leave it to Beaver, like, 1950s marriage values. It's, like, a lot of, like, frankly, waspy stuff. Just, like, not really explicitly mm. said. And, and, by the way, I've, like, enjo- I've enjoyed Jennifer Aniston, a lot of, like, her smaller smaller indie films and, like, some of her romantic comedies. But in this one, they just don't, like, give her a lot to do. She's not funny. She's, like, mad all the time. She's just, like, she's basically the obstacle, almost like uh, Skylar in Breaking Bad or whatever. She's just the one who has to be, like, you did this or you oh, can't no. do that or... Just like the nag. And that's very, that's also very Tim Allen 90s show-esque. Yes. Yeah, it's like, um, is the dog the worst dog ever? Or does he think like she's the worst wife ever? Like, I don't know. It kind of makes you think like, what does he think of other people if that's how he thinks about his dog? It sounds like they need to go to pet and couples counseling. (laughs) (laughs) What do you think about this? Just. Well, I don't know, Raggy. (laughs) Owen Wilson gets really high and becomes Shaggy. <laughs> Drives around in a van. Honestly, there should have been more of that because he, well, I guess they were from Michigan, but like he just has that kind of surfery vibe and the fact that they're like in Florida with beaches and stuff and he's kind of this like, he should have just been like the embrace the doofus husband trope if they're going to go with the toxic thing and like been like a Homer Simpson type or something. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, aside from his Wes Anderson collaborations, I feel like it's kind of hard to cast Owen Wilson because I don't, I don't even, yeah, he does just have that, like, surfer dude energy. I don't really know what else you would put him in, but they put try to put him in everything, like action movies, comedies, romantic comedies, all of it. Yeah, like, I definitely didn't buy him being some uh, big wig journalist or whatever that he wanted to be yeah but also the two of them don't really have a lot of like energy together like not a lot of chemistry between those two so it's also strange casting in that sense yeah even just in the first scene where they're getting where they just got married um they're just like she's like oh i would marry like the best guy and i and then i wouldn't marry or i don't know there's like um nagging each other or whatever that would be they're like insulting each other ripping on each other there's grim portents (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know what it reminds me of is love is blind where the people are like subconsciously they're like saying things to each other but they're like no no we love each other but they're like subconsciously like they're fighting and finding reasons to fight because they don't they don't want to be oh, yeah. married i've been watching a lot of reality shows so i can definitely get yeah. into that <laughs> yeah no no it's yeah. love is blind where they're, they're constantly manufacturing drama where it's like one person thinks the other person likes the other person and it's obviously just producers like really obviously heavily like engineering things behind the scenes isn't this lady your type isn't she hot and that's yeah (laughs) Uh 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's terrible. Um, so Thank the next know. scene that doesn't involve the dog like ripping things to shred is he's interviewing Stan the man again, Stan the war vet, and a bunch of like I guess conventionally hot. There's a lot of like extras and bikinis and whatever just like in the background that are all like really fit and toned and like that's not that realistic. Uh, there should be like lots of different body types and different type of people, not just like hot women. Mm. Uh, but anyway, they come over and they're like, "Oh my God, is this your dog?" Yeah, and they're like hitting up Owen Wilson basically, and like you can kind of see in his mind he's probably considering it or whatever. I don't know. He's like being weird about it. Mm. Oh, that was something that we kept pointing out throughout the movie. Is like, yeah, there were moments where he was he was like kind of had the chance to like flirt with people, or they were kind of like setting up that he would do that. And there were moments oh, where he yeah. kept looking in at the window yes. of his house. Yes, at like various points. he was points. about to abandon his family. We were like, wow, it would be a really dramatic twist if Owen Wilson in any of these scenes just drives off when he's, like, staring at his family through the window. And they do it, like, three times. So we were, like, whispering, like, oh, man, the next time he has to just, like, drive off, right? They can't just, like, keep emphasizing this for no reason. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that was one of the best parts. Multiple times. <laughs> um, but yeah, so Marley then ruins uh, that cute, that meat cute because he runs off to chase some pigeons, uh, and that's where there's this like really weird montage of Marley like stealing everything. Was that the big montage? Oh, the one we were like, yeah, what we the fuck is going on? The, the structure of this film. Okay, first of all, I just want to say in the very beginning, he is doing a flashback. He's like, "This is me and my dog Marley." Then he's like, "But wait." The real story begins four years earlier before Marley's born. So oh, it's a yes. flashback within a flashback. And then we get, we build the time back up till we get to this scene that you're talking about where it's like the, the ultra fast. That's right. There's a pointless, scene. like in media res scene that I don't think even comes up in the plot. Like I don't, there's, it's like literally pointless just to show another big Christmas <laughs> or something. I don't know. I literally don't know what the point of that was. Uh, but anyway, yeah. yeah. Uh, the structure is very similar to inception or, Harley Quinn and the Emancipation of whatever. <laughs> it's like yeah. wheels within wheels. Uh, we should mention oh that God. the obedience trainer was played by Kathleen Turner. Um, though she kind of looked a little weird to me, like really, I guess, old. I don't know. Because I've seen her in like Friends and stuff, which wasn't that like far after this. Like it was similar timelines of Jennifer Aniston being in Friends mm-hmm. and Kathleen Turner also being in Friends for guest shows. I don't know. She looked different to me. Well, I don't think this movie made people look very great, probably. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, the cinematographer is also one of these um, sort of for-hire guys who just does a bunch of romantic comedies. They also uh, shot the Double Wears Prada. Uh, yeah, the Double Wears Prada and Time hmm. Traveler's Wife. Well, that Wife. one was at least, like, passable and entertaining, I would say, Double Wears Prada was. Apparently two divergents. Uh <laughs> Oh my god. Honestly, I've watched those like, they're almost like a little guilty pleasure. I don't like them that much, but I, I've watched them. <laughs> yeah, I've never taken the plunge into Divergent. Maybe I will one day. I think what it might actually be is I just like looking at Shailene Woolley's face. Oh, me too. With her but short yes. hair, especially. Uh, oh, yeah. short hair, you say. Sorry. <laughs> That's yeah. my kryptonite now. Uh, yeah. But yes, the look of this film, again, like kind of like the tone wasn't that funny like you know how some comedy movies have like a very like plasticky sheen this movie was shot very much like a film just like very like the mm-hmm. compositions were clearly thought out and it was like just sort of there i don't know how else to say it yeah it was definitely not like a romantic comedy type it was yeah it was like, it was like dramatic of like looking. actual yeah drama <laughs> 
Oh, 22 different dogs played Marley, by the way. Oh, my God. <laughs> Too many dogs. I hope it's not like, uh, I forget what the movie was, but it was the one with the little puppy and the kitten, and apparently a bunch of real puppies and kittens died while making it Otis and Milo or something like that. Oh, like, yeah. That's the trivia. That's the horrible <laughs> trivia about that one. Uh, I'm not sure when it happens, but we have to talk about that montage. I don't know if it's at this point, but it's just this fucking crazy thing where they, like, cut up a bunch of different moments from, I assume, the real articles, and this is probably just verbatim, like, so they have Owen Wilson narrating, and they have, you know, different intercut scenes of him doing, like, local reporting on this, that, and the other thing. Maybe that's when the voting machines uh, thing that I noted happened. Mm. Um, but yeah, just him talking to, like, local residents, and then intercut with, like, how Marley is impacting his life in some great way that we never are privy to. Maybe if you read the articles or the book, you'd be like, okay, I get it. <laughs> but if you're just watching this movie, they're like, that dog. <laughs> that dog. It's Oh my god, it's honestly like they could have snuck in like subliminal messages <laughs> they probably and, like, did. and programmed something in my brain. It was flashing so fast. Yeah, they're like, join the army, join the navy. <laughs> Do you know that, Niage? So that this guy can report on you as a journalist overseas. Yeah, but that scene was by far my favorite in the movie, like, no, like seriously, because clearly it was like the person, uh, I don't know, the director or whoever decided to be like, this is the thing I want my reel. This, like, part that's actually kind of, like, gonzo journalism or whatever, but, like, also very stupid still. Yeah, I guess, like, and it was a way to, like, skip ahead in time a bit, I guess, just to show you, like, oh, all this time's passing with Marley or whatever their life goes on. When we again check in with Owen Wilson and he's trying to trick Jennifer Aniston to marrying him, uh, but, like, trying to be, like, maybe she'll be okay with just the dog. And then, oh my God. and then we have uh, Marley actually jump on the obedience trainer, and, and and they show like him humping her leg, like literally, and it's very sitcommy. Oh yeah, wasn't because he wasn't um he wasn't neutered, was he? Right. That's like, like... that's what happens immediately after they like it. It hilariously cuts to them in the car driving over to the veterinarian, and, and Owen Wilson has to be like, "Sorry, boy," or like whatever, <laughs> and just makes me think of where are my balls, Summer, or whatever. Uh, yeah, Owen Wilson's like, oh no, we're both emasculated. But this also reminded me, I think it was because they were driving on the, where is this? Is this California? No, no, Florida. Sorry. They were driving on the Florida highways, and I was like, oh yeah, Owen Wilson also played Marmaduke, because there's like a lot of scenes like that in that film, I think. <laughs> or maybe I'm confusing it with uh, Underdog. God, so many freaking dogs. <laughs> this movie's just called Dog. <laughs> Oh, wait, that was a movie, right? <laughs> yes, that's the most recent one with Channing Tatum, where he has a right. dog. <laughs> uh, I wrote a quote, he lost his balls today, cut him some slack. And then uh, either I'm saying this or, I don't know, I'm laughing my ass off, I wrote down. And maybe he said this to Sebastian, but sooner or later we all lose our balls. <laughs> I think that's said at some point. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, like, there's this also this dynamic with his, like, friend at work and his friend at work is like sleeping around or whatever and just like this free guy and um i guess maybe you think that owen wilson might like turn to this guy's side or something and like leave his wife maybe we are supposed to think that oh right but then the lesson is he's like you know maybe he's always looking for he wanted to be this other kind of journalist, but he's just really good at being a columnist. So like just embrace life as it comes or whatever <laughs> is the lesson, of course, but these people are just like fumbling through life and somehow like failing up, which, so I do not recommend this strategy for everyone, unless you're like this couple from the nineties, who's just 
financially secure with one salary. <laughs> exactly. And they very much want kids, so they're like, keep thinking about how to escalate things. Um, which, again, why did Jennifer Aniston quit her job? They could have had double income, but I guess that's not allowed in this worldview. It was something where he was like, oh, I, we offered to, like, get help, like a nanny or something. She's like, no, I want to do it myself no. or something like that. I will not. Uh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. But she also, like, missed the opportunity. Like, they didn't – I guess they had friends. Like, they showed them having friends, oh, yeah. obviously. But, like, what about any sort of, like – shared babysitting or like family did they have any family like no one was over at their house it was just the dog running around in every scene knocking over a kid like when she was freaking out about raising the kids by herself that's true they could have had dog friends and like helped watch each other's dogs yeah nanny sharing or whatever where you like have some kids over <laughs> around this time they play the benfold song rock in the suburbs which I do like that song. It's a pretty cool song, but in this like very literal context, it's kind of like uh, in the original Suicide Squad movie where, where all the like music beats are very obvious at that point. <laughs> I'm just like, that's a little on the nose. You're literally playing this while they're in the suburbs. I don't know. <laughs> it's like, that's too much, man. Uh, so the next scene is they go on their little baby moon because they think Jennifer Aniston's pregnant, or I guess she is pregnant at that point. So they travel off to the Emerald Isles and they leave Marley uh, back with a dog sitter or something like that. Mm. Oh, right. And he's having like second thoughts about the pregnancy. And there's like a horrible scene where she's going to announce when she announces she's pregnant. And he just had just said, oh, my God, maybe we don't want to do this. Let's not have a kid. And she's like, haha, wait, no, I'm pregnant after the miscarriage. <laughs> She's secretly sabotaging him the entire time. It's they like do a me and Marley and it's the reverse point of view. You know how they like did Twilight and then they did like from the opposite point of view or whatever from Edward's point oh, of view. Yeah. Like they could do that here. <laughs> it's like all about how Jennifer Aniston is just like calculating. And she's like some sort of psychopath, like engineering all these oh things gosh. behind the scene. She's like, and I'll make sure I pick oh the worst puppy. So that <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Wait, but I'm getting the order confused. Was the was the baby moon after the miscarriage and this was like the or was that before? This was like the first pregnancy and then they miscarried. I I honestly can't remember the order of events. No, no, you're right. She does have the miscarriage first and that prompts them to go on the honeymoon to kind of like cheer everybody up. Oh, and then that's when it's all like this Catholic stuff. And then they they're like, "Oh, haha, we're not going to have sex," but then they do and then that's where they get pregnant because jesus is watching or something oh yeah it's like the, wait this shouldn't be called like the dog heals the relationship this should be called the emerald isles like ireland and jennifer aniston returning to her roots i don't know who's returning owen wilson maybe uh somebody's returning to their roots <laughs> and then jesus heals the womb and then he's able to successfully inseminate her their oats are sowed their oats are sowed <laughs> but yeah there is an, another montage there where they show and wilson thinking about his life and like going through the writing process and going windsurfing um there are parts of this film that also kind of remind me of uh the secret life of walter mitty or whatever it's called because in that one too he has like a like kind of a cooler war friend and he wants to like go report on him uh played by uh sean penn in that movie so it's a lot of the same thing. It's just this man trying to like find out who he is and like awaken and like become something. And then uh, I, I realized that there's beauty in like normal things too. And that was of course Ben Stiller. So it's kind of funny. Uh, I wrote down that at some point he was having an ego death. I think you prompted that note. Do you remember anything about that? 
Just like the montage kind of seemed like he was death? having an ego death. I think it was the montage, yeah. Because <laughs> it was getting increasingly frenetic. Like it just keeps getting more frenetic. Yes, it seemed like he was having a trip or something. Yes. And at some point you were saying it seemed like Shutter Island. But <laughs> I forget why. It just seemed like his point of view and um oh you know. yeah it was like everything was too perfect and all the people were too accommodating and we're like everybody here must just be an actor who's trying to like trick owen wilson into thinking that <laughs> right things are cool but really they're all in on it they're trying to keep him from having a breakdown or whatever by wait a minute acting <laughs> maybe the twist in that movie isn't the twist we think it is maybe it's just all supposed to be like the point of view of a paranoid schizophrenic and the whole like the twist isn't a twist he just thinks that's what oh happened. Oh my god, there's no island. That's just his real life. Yeah, it's like Joker. I think I just figured that movie out. Sorry, but let's go back to fucking Marley and me. <laughs> um, the twist on top of a twist. So sorry, the big montage happens after that. The, the other one was just of Marley growing up. This is the one where they have like quotes about like Marley running into the ball field. And, we're, and I wrote down that this guy is about to end it because it just seems like Owen Wilson's getting increasingly desperate like if you look behind the veneer he's like clearly just like and this is like the guy's actual writing so we're analyzing somebody's real psychology like this author uh, grogan <laughs> that's the scary part actually so this is clearly yeah somebody like uh actually seeming to have like a weird meltdown uh i wrote down quick sex scene so i guess they have sex at some point in there um and then and stan wants to write about his life story so that's why he meets with him again after that uh, but they do come home and the house is completely destroyed by Marley. So that's another bad thing. Yes. Oh, yeah. They leave the dog with someone. Yeah, that's the other thing that makes it seem like Mr. Magoo is stuff like all, the other people around them's reaction, like the poor um, babysitter. Or no, it's a dog sitter is just like um, having a horrible time by the end of it, by the end of their trip or whatever. Oh, yeah. Everyone's like, maybe this dog will be fine. And then quickly, nope. <laughs> Yeah, they're just, and then, like, Jennifer Aniston and Owen Wilson are just like, la-di-da, our dog's the worst dog, ha-ha. Like, literally, the dog is making everyone's life miserable. Yeah, that's that's what's weird about this movie, again. It's like, you think at some point the dog will snap, too, or just, like, be normal and be nice, but it doesn't. <laughs> I wrote down that Jennifer Aniston has had fertility problems, and then that Marley eats the expensive jewelry that Owen Wilson buys for her. Uh, so now I'm thinking, like, did Owen Wilson try to bribe her to, like like get over what happened like here's mm. this jewelry yes i think he did yeah well oh and that was at the maybe that was at the request of his boss or his he has those two influencer guys like his boss and his work friend who are like kind of misogynist and so somebody was like you got to get her a, a gift or something oh who was the work friend i think that's another famous actor doesn't matter because he was being oh that was right he was horrible he was like oh, your wife has postpartum depression and trying to put it in his head, like, at what point are you going to leave? And I was like, mm. oh my God, you would leave after she got postpartum depression from having your kid kids with you? Like, <laughs> Also, the way it's set up, it seems like he's always on his way to go have casual sex or something. Like, he always seems like he's about to go have a fling, like meet some other lady or whatever. Mm. Sebastian. Oh, Sebastian. Yeah, yeah. He definitely is. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, he's definitely trying to tempt Owen Wilson to leave his marriage. It's like a bad influence or whatever kind of guy. So yeah, people love the column. <laughs> um, yeah, then the timing again gets sort of compressed. So it's a lot of like, and then they have another kid, and then they have another kid. 
Mm-hmm. And I guess apparently uh, Jennifer Anderson doesn't leave her job until this point, where she's like, I need to just buckle down and be the stay-at-home mom. So I kind of got that wrong. Uh, she does stay at the job for a little bit longer than we had said. Okay. Yeah, I, I get the order of that all confused. Yeah, so they end up having three kids, and then she stays at home. Yeah. yeah. I did think the uh, first baby that they showed was realistically gross-looking. Like, usually they cut to a baby, and it's, like, three months old or something. But this one was just, like, a little red screaming thing, and so that's accurate. <laughs> and I wrote down that uh, her, her pregnancy was actually super easy after that. <laughs> it was just, like... Yeah, then she had no problem getting pregnant again. Because, um, yeah, the other two were accidents. So that, at that after that point is the scene where the blue streak lady is back. Apparently she got stabbed. Someone told her not to scream, stabbed her because she sta- because she did scream. She screamed and he ran. <laughs> oh, no. He stabbed. She screamed. So, yeah, there's a little bit of crime and then they moved again. Uh, so it's very much gentrification. <laughs> I wrote down baby number two, their life is shattered. <laughs> well that's what i kept thinking i finally got to the ridiculous montage again where i'm just re-watching this on mute where it's like yeah i guess it's meant to be that he wrote a bajillion columns like you said about his dog he's literally selling his dog for money yeah <laughs> or like that's the way he makes his money he's having this dog and there's a horrible cover of uh lithium in this movie uh which is a nirvana song but it almost got to the point where it seemed like a Richard Cheese cover, where it's like intentionally cheesy, just like very flat and like very straightforward, almost as if Josh Groban had sung it. But no, it was some guy called Bruce Slash. And I, uh, sorry, Bruce, but your cover is horrible. You ruined a song. <laughs> yeah, I really think that like um, some of these song choices are indicative of maybe like as much as they were saying they were happy under the surface, like maybe the lesson is oh, not happy. The soundtrack is teaching us the truth about this movie. And this man. Yeah. <laughs> oh, shit. What if the memoir was written exactly what this movie is like? Then the director and screenwriter and whoever went to go meet this man and they, like, interviewed him and they realized that this, like, they realized there was this other layer to the movie. And they're like, that's what the movie's really about. <laughs> it's not about this stupid dog. Sorry. I love dogs. Yeah, John Grogan's <laughs> like, I have this dog. Ha ha ha. And then they're like, He's a very, in, deep inside, he's got a, some darkness. <laughs> That's a thing. I'm, I'm a sucker for these types of movies. Like any movie where a dog, like, gets injured or hurt or killed. Like uh, Homeward Bound, The Great, The Incredible Journey, or uh, any of these movies where dogs are just, like, central. I don't, or the Futurama episode where there's, you know, Jurassic Bark. Oh, yeah. They always get me. But not this movie. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I guess we have to talk about it, the marley the end of the movie the sad part (laughs) eventually (laughs) yeah i think i got a few more um, stuff to say before then okay yeah what 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 even happened after they had the three kids it's like so this movie is very formulaic so in the early part it's all about like how to rear a dog and then this part it's all about like really generic observations about how to raise a kid um, and I did write down that at some point he calls her the ball and chain, or maybe that's just the sense we got from the movie. So he considers her to be the old ball and chain. Uh. Yeah, like the top, that's the topic of discussion every time he's with Sebastian. But it's also like, I don't know, maybe this is a problem of like how movies are made in general. Like this isn't like boyhood where they literally just like stepped into these people's lives every few years. Like it's not real. So 
you don't really get the sense that time has actually passed. And it's very strange. These people are still like so amped up about Marley and they care so much about the dog and everything's about the dog. And like they're coming to all these stupid crisis points because of the dog. Because, you know, first there's this thing where he, like, eats a bunch of food out of the trash. Uh, so they have to, like, is that here? I don't know. Something about dogs and extra 60K investment. I wrote down because of all the shit they had to replace. Okay, so it's just because he keeps chewing yeah, things they, up. Yeah, like, chewing and knocking stuff over. Like, there were scenes where he was, like, knocking stuff from above. And I was like, that could hurt the dog or one of the kids. Like, how did that never happen? Like, he's pulling stuff down from up higher shelves and stuff like that. Like... <laughs> Oh my god. Oh, and this part was psychotic. Uh, so, well, first of all, we don't even really know what Owen Wilson really does in this parenthood. Like, it's very heteronormative. He doesn't really do seem to do anything. Like, he just, like, does the work and then comes home and she's supposed to do everything. Uh, but at some point in that <laughs> montage of them just, like, being early parents or whatever, he says something like, the gray lady came a courting or something like that. He wrote down something like that in one of his... What does that mean? I don't know. I think it was just like, like another quote probably from the actual book and Grogan or whatever. But it's like literally just he says, mm -hmm. the gray lady came according. And I don't think it's related to anything that's going on on, this, on the screen. It's just something like fucking psychotic. <laughs> um, so yeah, then they zoom ahead to baby three. Uh, he keeps meeting with this guy called Gil from the National from the Philly Inquirer. That becomes this other crisis point where it's like, oh, if they move to Philly, they can like, he can be a reporter like he always wanted to be, uh, and they move to like this really weird uh, Airbnb, or I don't know, it's like some weird castle. Maybe they bought that too, <laughs> but it's like some horrible house. Remember, because we were like, how the hell does he live out in these woods? But somehow he like commutes to. He's driving to West Philadelphia. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't make any sense. Yeah. He it's very, it seems very rural where they are because there's like horses and in their neighbor's house or a neighbor's yard or something. But even before that scene, there's like this very unconvincing, like, uh, I don't know, he's like pitching things to Alan Arkin. He's like, suddenly, I don't, I'm not interested in the things I'm writing. Uh, what if we reach further? You know, we could talk about war. Uh, <laughs> we could talk about all these issues. Like people are dying. Like he's like, just very unconvincingly trying to make you think he cares about things, but he doesn't. <laughs> You know? Yeah. He's like, war, what is it good for? Absolutely nothing. That's his column. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the film had bad reviews. Sorry, I'm just looking at the Wikipedia again. And by the way, I noticed mm. they changed the format of Wikipedia, so it looks almost exactly like IMDb, just making this very confusing to go back and <laughs> forth. There are a lot of montages of them just hanging around in their pool, because I guess now they have one. Oh, yeah, right. They keep, they upgraded, I guess, their house. But, oh, my gosh. Um, you know, yeah, I remember that Alan Arkin has a line about thinking his wife's going to kill him with a meat cleaver or something, and it's that same, it's literally just that humor. It's like, ha-ha, you're going to kill each other. Are you? Maybe? And then it cuts to the ending, and it's like Owen Wilson's writing a, he's like being a reporter about this murder. <laughs> I don't know. Somehow it comes around. <laughs> well that's what we were joking about it being like shutter island where they were like no owen wilson like you killed the dog or <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> that's what the whole thing was we were like this movie isn't actually <laughs> happening it's because owen wilson killed the dog at the beginning of the movie which is why they had the flashback <laughs> at the beginning that made no sense <laughs> otherwise 
And it's all just to set up. Yeah, he's like. That he's living in a horrible Shutter Island, Truman Show esque reality. Where it was just like lying to him about, exactly. like, the dog's fine. <laughs> I mean, well, the dog's dead. Right, and that's why in the beginning he's like, <laughs> oh, haha, worst dog ever. But I love that dog. <laughs> no, he just can't come to terms with the fact that he killed the dog. <laughs> or, uh, what's that movie where there's Lars and the Real Girl? Where there's, like, the real doll? Mm. I don't know how to pretend. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, there's another psychotic quote here. At some point, either Owen Wilson or Jennifer Aniston says, we knew this was when Father Time would make his move. And I guess they're talking about the beach or whatever. <laughs> it's like he tries to insert random, like, kind of flourishes into his writing. With Have his work. way with us on the beach? <laughs> Maybe that's when they got pregnant for the first time. I don't know. They know they're kind of jumbled for some reason. Mm. Maybe it's because of the I time. I think it's because the movie's kind of jumbled. <laughs> Okay, there was an awful surprise party, um, and I wrote down, or we wrote down, how did these people know when Owen Wilson would return? Because it wasn't previously discussed in any way. They're just, like, all yeah, trusting. Yeah, that was when he went out to the beach, and right. he was just hanging out. Oh, he, like, lets Marley, like, pee in the water, which is something that's not supposed to be allowed. Oh, wait, no, no, no. Oh, we forgot about this fucking beach. <laughs> yes, there's this beach where everyone brings their dogs, but then there's, like, annoying people who have to keep pointing out, like, you have to keep your dog on a leash. Although, the person saying that, I was like, that movie should be about him, because that guy's way more interesting than everyone we've seen so far. But anyway, <laughs> yeah. uh, so yeah, there's this annoying thing where it's like, uh, Owen Wilson inspires everyone on the beach to uh, let their dogs get off uh, and just run around and go into the water and play and have fun. Uh, but yeah, at some point, Marley takes it too far, of course, and he starts peeing into the pool, into the beach, and everyone gets super pissed off. Yeah, and other people are like, oh, you're not following, like, the leash logs, like, your dog's not trained, it should, they, the dog should not be off a leash, and he's just like, oh, whoops, and so that goes back to the Mr. Magoo thing again, it's like, your dog could be endangering other people's kids, and, like, they said they, <laughs> if dogs poop and pee all over the beach, then it's, like, bad for the health of the beach and stuff. Actually, it would have been far more dramatic, though I guess not true to life, if at some point Marley had just gone too far, and then the state was like, you have to destroy this dog. Like, I feel like that happens all the time, and <laughs> oh. it's more tragic oh my God. than, like, uh, he just turns old and, like, gets something bad wrong with him. Well, there was the scene where when Marley peed, somehow the cop showed up, but then I guess, be, but then of course, because they cut away to everything, because everything's a vignette, we're just supposed to assume that, I guess, because Owen Wilson's some white guy, he just leaves and it's fine. Right, yeah, no, in some other movie, it'd become a big thing, and they take the dog and have to get the dog back, and that'd be the drama of the movie. Uh, <laughs> right. So then after that, and after the surprise party, uh, Jennifer Aniston has to show she's still hot, and she's still got it, or whatever. Uh, and then and she's like inspires them to go skinny dipping in the pool. <laughs> oh right, she's like I'm still fun. Teehee. <laughs> and I wrote down that I guess Owen Wilson was like surprised the hell out of me <laughs> with that music. <laughs> and there was probably some like meaningful thing on the soundtrack there too, but I forget what it was. It's a couple of Verve songs. Rather be in Lucky Man. It's something called the River Song. Gosh, this house they moved to in Pennsylvania looks like something from a horror movie. <laughs> like it be all, it reminds me of um, what is that uh, Nicholas Cage slash uh, H.P. Lovecraft thing? Color out of space. It looks like that house from <laughs> that movie. <laughs> from the woods. Yeah, they move into this crazy ass <laughs> house, and everyone's just like fine. And then you have to imagine like again, what is the flip side of this? Like, what is the Jennifer Aniston story of her like? slowly growing mad like secluded out in this like wooded house with her three kids and this impossible dog 
It's not like Owen Wilson's like with a dog all the time. <laughs> like she's with the dog all the time that she hates. That's true. She's home with the dog literally every all day, every day. Yeah, and like that. What resolved the that problem was it literally just the kids got older, so it was less of a hassle to right. like, raise them. So like, essentially, Owen Wilson didn't change at all, or like pitch in, or like help in uh, anymore. And just she just went through the depression of like it was. She said it wasn't postpartum depression. It was just that she was so overwhelmed, inundated with late with work. Yeah. Well, that is kind of life. Like um, they grow older, and they you know, don't have to like do quite as much for them, uh, for sure. Right. But I just thought, yeah, I thought maybe Owen Wilson would step it up and, like, train the dog more, like, put in some effort. But I think they literally just, like, got through those years, basically, instead of Owen Wilson helping. But no, that's when Jennifer Aniston reaches her breaking point and is like, you have to get this stupid dog out of here. I hate this dog. And that's when, like, Sebastian has to take the dog for a little bit. Jennifer Aniston basically wants him to find a new home for a new permanent home for Marley. Right, but then what happened? I don't remember Sebastian ever giving the dog back, and then they just had the dog again. They kind of just they kind of just uh, sandpaper over it. They don't really explain what happened. Again, maybe we had to read the articles. <laughs> maybe we had to read two hundred oh, articles no. about some stupid dog. Sorry. Again, I like dogs, <laughs> just not this one. Uh, I love snow dogs. <laughs> That's probably not true. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Future episode? No, I don't care. Five <laughs> now, dog five. Yeah. There's a snow day. I don't know. Who cares? The guy who plays the Philly chief is from The Wire, so that's cool. And then I think it quickly segues into the dog being sick. He, like, can't go up the stairs. Yeah, and we're, like, supposed to believe that the kids even care about the dog, but, like, the only scenes they've really shown us are, like, the dog running around the children and, like, destroying stuff and or, like, knocking them down. So the kids are, like, sad that the dog's getting old, and I'm like, I don't even buy it. Oh, I mean, I feel bad about that with my old pet. I'm just like, some, at some point, father time will come for us all, or whatever I wrote down, whatever the kid Oh, no. <laughs> well, father time will have us way with him, and then I don't know what will happen with the kid, but I'm sure it's fine. Mm. Oh, wasn't there something about Owen Wilson pitched a specific, like, article idea to the editor? Do you remember anything about that? Um, I thought it was, all I remember about him in Philadelphia is, like, maybe he tried to do the journalist thing, but then he just realized he needed to, he realized the thesis of the movie, which is that he needed to, like, embrace the dog, just as life as it came, and he just was naturally good at writing this dog column or whatever. Right, so he did complete and achieve his, like, hero's journey and whatever the stupid memoir is. Sorry, maybe the memoir's fine and the movie's bad. By changing his goal in the end, yeah, he completed his goal by changing I don't have any personal grudges against anyone who worked on this film. I'm being really rough on it. It's kind of, <laughs> it's kind of weird because it's like his wife kind of talked him down from it. Like there's some scene where they're talking about this, and she's like, "Got an old yeller, this You're dog." Just good at this. <laughs> Sorry, no, I'm talking about that. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, she did kind of <laughs> say that. Oh no. Here's she your rifle. The dog Oh, it's the scene where she's like has a scrapbook of all of his columns and she's like just reading this is so great and she's like essentially being like oh he's kind of always looking at like grass is always greener right. but like this is just what you're really She's good like at. his muse at that point or some bullshit like that. But it almost is like if that was somebody talking if it's outside the context of this movie I would be like no chase your dreams like it's almost like she's telling him settle and like the lesson of this movie is make yourself okay with settling. Right. Well, at least this movie is only about almost two hours long. <laughs> oh my god! We did joke. Uh, we did joke. It was almost like the extended cut of uh, American Wedding, which I don't think there is an extended <laughs> cut. I think that movie is just like really slow and stupid. 
Yeah, no, yeah, just, um, this was just, like, I could not take another vignette by the oh, end. Oh, I'm fully stuffed. I cannot take another story about Marley. <laughs> no, no. Uh, it is kind of funny. I can't have another scene I of Marley I couldn't have another bite. Through some crowd. <laughs> not yeah. even an aperitif? Dessert? <laughs> um, so there was a funny thing, so, like, well, not funny, but Marley's sick and he's, like, crawling away or whatever. And at some point they're, like, check the stables and we're like, there's fucking stables? So there's yeah. like horses just hanging out there that they ride or maybe rent or something like that. I think it's their neighbor's horses, but they can just go. I don't know. They just do whatever they want. <laughs> so yeah, then they have to take him to the vets and they find out that the dog's stomach has been twisted because uh, he ate or drank too quickly, which is horrifying. And uh, <laughs> the, well, I don't know. That's just horrifying. <laughs> no, it. It's a real thing. Or not eating or drinking too quickly, but the stomach issue is has a real name intestinal like some sort of intestinal thing i forget but i don't think it just happens to anyone who's probably just like predisposed to it or something i don't know right um i also wrote down two um, curios uh one is that the son actor in these scenes is played by the same one who is gordon's son in the dark knight uh i just noted it because i was like wait haven't i seen this kid in fear or something like that and it was just weird but then i was like oh yeah he's being held hostage by two-face at the end of that movie uh, he's, like, trying to decide who to shoot. <laughs> and anyway, uh, oh then I also wrote down, maybe this movie's better than Garfield, like the live-action one. <laughs> so they keep going oh to the Oh, my God, vet. I never saw that one. Oh, I haven't either, but oh. I assume it's really bad. <laughs> oh, it's called Gastric Dilatation Mulvulus, a stomach torsion condition that's happened to Marley. <laughs> But they also make it clear throughout this uh, part of the film that just because he's, like, on death's door, essentially, Marley's still, like, up to no good. So, like, knocking Honestly, dogs I'm over. I'm surprised eating random electronics didn't kill Marley throughout the year. Or a jewelry. <laughs> Could have cut off his insides. Oh, yeah, or the jewelry, like, cutting up or something. Or, like, running out into traffic over and over and over again. Like, somebody <laughs> running through crowds. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I, it's honestly a miracle this dog lived that long. This is kind of similar to the Shutter Island thing, and maybe it was maybe this is what started the process. But I wrote down this movie is about a man with degenerative brain disease. He's forgetting everything about his life except for this dog. Like he doesn't really care. Remember about his children. He doesn't really care. Remember about Jennifer <laughs> Aniston. He doesn't really care that much about his, like his writing life. It's just this dog. So it's just like all the memories. He doesn't even have any family beyond these people. Like, yeah, hardly anyone else in his life. And the dog, and they're all like one dimensional. Like you said, Jennifer Aniston doesn't do much, isn't given much to do. So literally him and Marley are the only real characters. Yeah. Uh, this was also the point in my notes when I got pissed off about the timelines. I wrote such complicated timelines. What was the point of the opening scene? <laughs> Exclamation point. Oh my god, what if you, like, mementoed it or something? You, like, cut all these vignettes out of order or something like that. <laughs> that is a great idea. <laughs> um. <laughs> no, no, she's saying that she only got five minutes a day with Owen Wilson. Oh. Or something like that. It's like, I only get five minutes a day with you, otherwise you're at work or with the dog or with the kids. Ow, oh, that's pretty bad. <laughs> yeah. That's not good. Um, I also wrote down the dog was born wrong, <laughs> and I don't know why, but maybe just because the health complications. No, I think it's because they just kept being like, this is just how Marley is, and we just kept joking, like, some dogs are born <laughs> Yeah, bad. that's right. Like, this dog just is bad. Yeah, sorry, there's no fixing this dog. <laughs> it's the dog's <laughs> an old man. Yeah. An old man comes out and sees the dog, and it's like, some dogs just don't want to be good. 
<laughs> but yeah, at this point of the movie, exactly. it's almost like a feel bad because now we're just watching this dog slowly die. Um, what was it? I think he gets called away to talk to Stan again. We were like, Stan's still alive? Or Stan's still involved in the story? Uh, but <laughs> right. that's what causes the dog to eat the trash again because he like left for any amount of time. Uh, and then the oh dog is on death's door, essentially. The trash that killed the dog. And this was also the point where um, I wrote down, we should imprison this author for his crimes. Yeah, the, like, um, the vet's, like, reports him for, like, animal to animal control or something after she sees how what this dog's been eating. She says, some people are just born bad. <laughs> they're dogs, too. Uh, but yeah, I wrote down a whole list of, like, the issues with this movie, which we've already kind of gone over, but, like, the just finally, like, supporting gentrification and anti-women and weird about marriage and bad about, like, having yep. children. Uh, yep. <laughs> yeah. And raising dogs is, yeah. In, in addition to raising human children. <laughs> I also wrote down that it would have been funny if one of the kids were, was, yeah, wasn't there like a, like after the dog finally passes, there's a scene where they're like paying tribute or whatever. And wasn't the little boy like, I made a drawing for Marley or like, I made a drawing of Marley. <laughs> like, it's probably a drawing of the dog knocking this boy over like five times in a row. <laughs> yeah, it's like this dog is like drawn like a scary monster, like knocking. <laughs> I made a drawing of Marley knocking me down so many times. I can't remember things anymore. <laughs> Tormenting me. <laughs> Literally hurting me every I have day. a CTE. Will Smith's going to have to check oh me out. Oh my god. <laughs> I'm broken and bruised. Okay, and then we have to talk about also just, like, like you said, it was just drawing it out, but, like, not even just drawing out Marley dying, but literally the euthanasia scene. I could not even oh, stand that. Like, that yeah. was even worse than the mis miscarriage scene where they drew, they were drawing out the miscarriage scene where they're, like, the nurse is, like, oh, let me get the doctor, because there's clearly, like, no heartbeat right. or whatever, and, like, that was long and drawn out. That's why it's not a comedy. With the part where they're, like, yeah, they're slow-mo injecting the... <laughs> the serum or whatever and like flashing back and forth between the kids and the serum going in the dog's vein and i was just like i can't like this is ridiculous. in a way my compliments to the people who put together this trailer because like i remember watching the trailer when it was piece of shit came out but like i fully thought like they just cut it so it looked like very bright and poppy and like exactly like the sitcom stuff we we're talking about <laughs> but it's not like that at all so like they really concentrated down like the few moments where like maybe this is a fun movie Really, it's, like, not at all. Yes, it was very confused on the messaging, I think. <laughs> the, the editors for the trailer did not get the memo from the, like, movie editors or something. And there's one last scene of him staring in, but without the dog this time in the car. So he's just like, should I go this time? <laughs> he finally drives off. Now there's nothing holding him back. Yeah, him now there's nothing. The now the dog's gone. gone so he can finally leave his crappy family. He leaves Shutter Island in the woods of Philly. <laughs> Um, and this movie is actually really about oh the necklace because they also make a whole big deal about like either recovering the necklace or they bury the necklace with Marley or something like that. Like they keep coming back to the stupid they necklace. They bury, yeah. It's like who cares about the necklace? It was like gold and diamonds, and then it went through. It went into Marley's poop, and then they just didn't even care about that much. They just buried the necklace. <laughs> oh, this this. Trivia I'm reading almost made me think it was like boyhood because it says because the film covers 14 years in the life of a dog, 22 different yellow Labradors played Marley. And I'm like, wait, they didn't shoot this in real time, did they? So it's like they went through 14 years oh of 22 different dogs, like suddenly <laughs> aging. Uh. Oh, my God. 
the Truman Show of dogs. So yeah, I guess essentially this is the follow-up to Devil Wears Prada, but whereas that one seemed, I mean, I don't know if I like that movie either, to be frank, but a lot of people do. That one seems like more incisive, like black comedy, knows what it is, uh, you know, satire. Like Yeah, that one knows what it is, at least. And that one's like yeah. semi-autobiographical too, I assume, like based on whoever was actually heading that magazine at that point. Yeah, so it was just like another one of those movies at this point, at this time in history. That was just like, middle of the road, Randy Newman. Yeah, and then it was like, it was released in 2008, but it was really a lot about like the 90s and written by this guy by the, you know, he wrote it all by like 2003 or whatever you said, maybe a couple He's a fucking hack. It just felt so dated. Yeah, immediately dated. um, Mm-hmm. Even though it was 2008, it was pretty. Even weird. though it was cutting edge after 9/11, the towers had fallen. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> the whole nation yeah, had this changed. This was a pre-9/11 movie released in a post-9/11. Actually, world. that's kind of a weird thing, huh? They like went through that period, but they, like, they mentioned Desert Storm. That's a big deal. They mentioned the hanging chads, but not in Florida, <laughs> but not the. Yeah, like, and then I 9/11. was trying to fix the chads, but I had to go check in with my dog. So I don't, I don't remember what happened after that. It's like Forrest Gump or something. He's the one who, like, caused George Bush to be elected. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, this movie is actually just forced Gump, but with a dog involved. Apparently, this movie has, like, a 60% on Rotten Tomatoes, and that blows me right away. Like, <laughs> this that's way too high. It doesn't even deserve... Yeah, for I've seen stuff with, like, 8%, and I'm like, okay, it doesn't deserve 8%. Right. This does not... This deserves, like, 8%. Like, Dragon Ball <laughs> Evolution deserves 8%, maybe, but this... I don't know. Yeah, not dessert. 60% is still getting more than half of the formula, right? And I don't think they got that. Like, take away the romantic comedy angle. Like, you don't think that that's what it is going in and very confused by the actual tone. Like, take that away. What you're left with is just, like, a very bleak drama about this man and his family slowly unraveling. And they probably should have just, like, either gotten rid of this dog or, like, gotten actual training. Or maybe Stan just keeps the dog, like, full time. Uh, and like they have a cool war vet i guess whatever that dog movie is they just do that they dog it um but instead like you're not really left with anything cute no memorable lines uh owen wilson jennifer aniston both seem very checked out like uh i don't know walter mitty i don't think it's that highly rated either but it is memorable and you feel like ben stiller uh, this is my comparison point is trying and like invested this is like okay so this this genre or like this these topics are dealing with are the type of things that would be in like a traditional sitcom like mm-hmm. it could almost be as bad as like the honeymooners kind or of like topics. a laugh track like i want kids i don't want kids yeah. or oh alice like whatever mm-hmm. yeah with a, but they're or lifetime like as if yeah yeah but then yeah but then like you said it's filmed like a drama like straight um cinema or whatever and the music this weird thing where it should have been something else but it's yeah the music the (laughs) editing like all of it none of it suggests a comedy and also the movie's not very Mm -hmm. funny like everything that's supposed to be funny is like a very cringy like like you really thought that was a funny joke that you were yeah they don't even do the situational comedy right no Yeah, well, no, it's like, on one hand, if you're looking at the humor side of the, like, drama thing, you're like, okay, Owen Wilson is just, like, kind of discovering himself and, like, learning to ride and, like, learning to love his family and this dog. <clears throat> but then you flip the script and you're, like, looking at the dramatic, like, frowny face side and it's, again, this man unraveling and probably he killed his dog uh, and he's feeling guilt for it <laughs> and they created this whole uh, village situation for him. Yes. 
but obviously people care about Marley just in the world and like relate to it. And obviously, you know, having a troubled dog is pretty common, which is why we have dog whispers and like training stuff. Mm-hmm. And I don't understand why they didn't try a second obedience school. That probably would have helped. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Or if they had gone more experimental with this one and had more like weird montages and like verbatim, I don't know. Maybe that would have helped too. It actually almost seemed like someone in film school practicing their montage skills, like putting together scenes and vignettes. Yeah, no, it's very patchworked together, uh, which I guess is the nature of memoir. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. Oh my god, I have to read you this, again, it's from Wikipedia about the author's personal life. Uh, so first of all, apparently they live in a Pennsylvania 1790 farmhouse. So that's what that weird building is. That's why it looked like it was in a horror movie because this was because it is a horror like, movie. <laughs> yeah, it's the village from M Night Shyamalan. Yeah, we recut the trailer to be a horror movie about this terrible dog. 17. That would actually be yeah. really easy. Um, but apparently they have two Labrador Retrievers, Louie and Wallace. <laughs> And another dog, Gracie, but she died as well. And then adopted Woodson, uh, who portrayed Marley in the film. So they have between two wow, and four dogs. Life. And three kids. What a pastoral life they have in the rural Pennsylvania countryside. <laughs> no wonder everyone was jacking off over this movie. And, <laughs> and he is religious. This is like middle America's dream. Yeah. Apparently he went to Central Michigan. Oh, he's religious. Josh Groban. Oh my God, no, John. <laughs> oh, Groban. Josh Groban. <laughs> oh, great. I'd rather watch Josh Groban's memoir, and I don't. Well, whatever. He's fine. <laughs> no, Josh Groban is like funnier than this guy. Like I've seen him host like a reality show. He's like he's actually funny compared to this guy. He's a charmer, that one. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I wouldn't go that. I don't know if I go that far, but he's. It's not hard to be better than Josh or John Grogan. <laughs> right. Uh, and the cinematographer has worked a lot with Ben Stiller, Jay Roach, uh, Paul Feig, uh, which is why we mentioned that. You know, it's kind of somebody who works with a lot of comedy people. Uh, I think it's the Brat Pack or whatever. Mm. Oh, he shot and Ghostbusters. I, oh, and I wanted to. Sorry. Oh wait. Oh really? The recent one. Oh no! The... Sorry. This is the composer. SNL people. Oh, composed Ghostbusters. Oh my God, John Grogan. In the spring of 2012, he joined Lehigh University as an adjunct professor in the Department of Journalism and Communication. He teaches a writing course called Memoir and Me: hmm. First Person Nonfiction Narrative. Oh yeah, I'm in that class. It's good stuff. No, <laughs> it's funny. <laughs> Memoir and Me. Wow. I guess at least that's a funny title. They know. should fire him out of a cannon into the sun. Oh my God. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, we just have to talk about too about like the legacy of this f- film is like all of these small oh, yeah. newspapers, like the Inqui- Philadelphia Inquirer, they're all going away apparently. Like they're going out of business. Oh, yeah. Like this is when you could actually be a journalist or like a columnist and like make a decent amount and buy a house. But now, of course, all print journalism is like dying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's weird. Yep. Yeah, so this is like very dated in that sense as well. This is like the last gasp. Um, and also the way that it just portray the like newsroom, it very much reminded me of like the Daily Planet and Superman movies or comic books or whatever. So it's like seems very generic and like doesn't see. It's not the wire. <laughs> I have to say. Yes. 
<laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, we never see Jennifer Aniston's place of work, but his is like, um, like you said, it's just a bunch of cubicles like this. And we never see Omar Little, so it's <laughs> kidding. I mean, I guess this is kind of a period piece. It's just in the period of the 90s. So I guess it's not dated per se. It's like trying to be from the 90s. I don't know. It's dated in its toxic ideals, I guess. And one of the authors on this screenplay is extremely uh, notable. Um, and I assume as somebody in the studio came in to be like, fix this script. But this person wrote the screenplay for Get Shorty, Out of Sight, Minority Report. Uh, you know, some big movies. They wrote both The Wolverine and Logan. Uh, and then most recently, Queen's Gambit. So, you know, this is somebody who clearly knows what they're doing, generally. Uh, oh, he also wrote the first draft for The Ring. Um, and again, they probably brought this person in to maybe fix the film. I don't know. That's what studios usually do. They were like, this person said, okay, cut the euthanasia scene by at least five seconds. <laughs> yeah, no, no, increase the euthanasia scene. That's our contribution. That way, people will say they liked it, even though the rest of it is trash. Um, and the and one of the other authors, uh, Don Roos, I guess I should be saying their names, uh, and the other guy was Scott Frank. Uh, so Don Roos apparently wrote Single White Female, which is super over the top and very much like a Lifetime movie on crack or whatever. So it kind of makes sense a little bit that those two combined would make this movie. Those two sensibilities. One like super dramatic and one like insane structure and all that. <laughs> Anyway, I'm definitely going to watch Marley and Me, The Puppy Years, the prequel where Marley has a voice and talks. The Puppy Years, the squeakle. And they gave more money to this Josh Grogan guy. Oh my god, I know, I'm like, oh, this guy is probably making a ton of money. Oh my god, and do you know how they made this movie? John and Jenny are away on writing assignment, so somebody else is dog-sitting. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. Wait, are you shitting me? There's people in this film who are related to the author. It's like half the cast is this guy's family. Bodie Grogan plays the <laughs> dog sitter. Fred Grogan plays some other character. I don't know who these people are. Uh, and Carol Grogan. <laughs> so this is all some like freaking, it's like a Ponzi scheme or whatever. Oh my God. He's making so much money off of this really shitty concept that anyone could have like, it reminds me of the dog's purpose or whatever all this crap is like, this definitely started, uh, another arc of like terrible, like, uh, I don't know. Just movies about pets. Yeah. Yeah. It is like a dog's purpose. Cause it's supposed to be like the dog facilitates your relationship or something. Somehow the dog is of service to you instead of just like, can't you just like enjoy the dog's company? No, they have to like serve you somehow. I don't know. It's a feel bad. You'll feel like shit after you watch this movie. <laughs> yes. Uh, Marley and me bad, bad dog. <laughs> Let me roll up a newspaper. <laughs> oh, no. Just kidding. I like dogs. Just not this one. This one's from hell. This is a demon dog who has the darkness in him. And I don't know. He, he, he formed a spell around these people to make him like make them like him. So oh otherwise, gosh, there's no yes. explanation. And it, it made spell over everyone who read the articles and watched the movie. So they would like it too. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I'm just imagining the like the retired residents of Florida, I guess, just being like, we love Marley's column or wherever they oh, live. Part of Marley. They make a statue of Marley and he's like pushing over the child. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it becomes like the icon of this town. Never again. Another animal movie. 
<laughs> yeah. I wonder if they could like have edited this better to make it a better movie, not like a good movie, but like, yeah, the editing was bad. Yeah, I don't like there know. was a lot of pointless fluff and like stuff again that just like pointlessly mementoed around, like you said. Yes. Well, this says that on that now I'm just on the John Grogan's information. I'm on to you, John and he Grogan. Has, like, this other horrible. <laughs> Crack this case wide open. Yeah, he has this other horrible sounding memoir, The Longest Trip Home. Ugh. And it's like a memoir about his relationship with his parents revolving around the theme of powerful love of family. Like, it just sounds so generic. That sounds terrible. I think we've been saying Josh, but his name's definitely John. John Grogan. It's John. <laughs> yeah, it's John. I think I was saying half and half. I don't know. John, it's Josh, John Groban. Grogan. <laughs> the third. The third. Uh, so, Grogoban. So he didn't get enough money from the stupid dog, and then he made a... I love dogs. It says he's still writing full time. I don't know how many more memoirs he has left. Like, how much of his life has he not told? How much more life can he wring out of this? <laughs> he writes my horrible wife or whatever. <laughs> the old ball and chain. Life, like, oh my god. <laughs> yeah. The love of a family for their wondrously neurotic dog. This reminds me of, like... Ugh. Well, okay, I guess his whole thing is writing nonfiction. I guess people like this. I don't know. Maybe, uh, why are we the judge? Why are we judging? People like this. Yeah. <laughs> they can like this. He, yeah, you know what? I don't, it doesn't have to be like fiction or something. Or I was just thinking of like, um, something like Interview with a Vampire was apparently about, like the Claudia girl was about, she had, uh, Anne Rice had like lost her daughter or something or almost lost i think she did lose her daughter hmm. anyways point being it was like she wrote that and was kind of coming to terms with that oh. and i'm just like he should have done oh, that well, there's an example of fueling your art with your life or something but then i'm like well who am i to judge like you said he's writing nonfiction. like well this guy <laughs> this is just how it yeah is. i mean this guy transmuted his dog into like an overlayer of his life like a lens to view it through so that's weird also <laughs> the dog is the lens through which he views them but he also hates the dog that's the that is the central tension that i can't get over it's like everything that you love you also hate in this boomer mentality it's like your wife you secret you also kind of hate them you're like oh the old ball and chain but everyone's like why did you get married if you don't yeah. <laughs> what? nobody yeah like or like this dog's the worst it's like dog. why did you get the dog but then you keep saying i training. hate my dog yeah <laughs> it's like i hate being a father it's like nobody forced you to have kids Right. So really, it's about this beta cook who just says yes to everything that everyone suggests to him, which is very suggestible. Yeah, and then he he justifies his choices by just being like, "Oh, you just got to go with the flow." Just kidding about the beta cook stuff. I don't believe in that bullshit. But yeah. <laughs> right. No, but his friend, from the point of view of like his friend Sebastian or whatever. You're yeah, a beta cook, and I I'm think an that's alpha. How Sebastian saw it. Dominant. Yeah. He's got to drop that old ball and chain, and. And then the weird thing is like. That's kind of admitting that gender roles don't even matter. If, like, his wife, who clearly was feminine, was also mm. more dominant, like, that's debunking the gender roles right there. Or, again, they could have traded off parenting responsibilities instead of one of them just being like, I guess I don't write anymore. Or maybe she does write oh. in real life and they just didn't bother to tell us in the movie. She doesn't even freelance. She just gave it up. She could write a freaking Marley and Me interquill. It's like this terrible dog I, I hated. I bet a bunch of people would be into reading 
Oh, well, and they would love, like, a stay-at-home mom, like, memoir of, like, being a mom. Yeah, relatable. <laughs> It'd be, like, Fifty Shades of Grey, but about owning a dog. Like, oh, man, so hot. <laughs> oh, but we should actually do Interview with a Vampire, by the way. Like, we don't just have to do movies that make us want to euthanize the dog. <laughs> we could do we could do good oh movies, God. too, and just be like, we're doing a good movie t- this time. <laughs> Any other thoughts about Marley and me? I think I already, I think it's pretty clear I do not recommend this movie. And first of all, again, it's not a dramatic, it's not a romantic comedy. It's a drama, so. Yeah. Yeah, it's like part serious drama, part experimental editing film school, part. Shutter Island. Shutter Island and part slapstick comedy with dog actors. Yeah. And I guess Owen yeah. Wilson must like dogs. Cause again, he went on to Marmaduke and I assume he's somewhat evolved in uh, I love dogs, <laughs> but. <laughs> well, I hope he loves his dogs in real life more than he loved Marley in the movie. All right, yeah, nobody should watch this movie. Nobody should give this man money. But again, if you do, I guess that's fine and we support you. <laughs> Yeah, and pretty much, like, yeah, like, it's a universal rule that, you know, every dog is good. And so that that just tells you how wild this movie was, that we're saying this dog was just... This cri- Christmas, Christmas, every dog has his day. <laughs> or why wasn't it called My Life as a, with a Dog or something like that? I think there was a movie called My Life as a Dog, but whatever. <laughs> My yeah, bad movie. Dog. No, yeah, I just thought it was a hilarious example of the dog... Film Dog gone it, Owen Wilson. Don gone done it again. <laughs> Dag nabbit. <laughs> oh, and this movie was a massive hit. I think we kind of said that earlier, but it was a massive hit. It's probably why I keep making crap like this. I mean, I guess I shouldn't just like this was this guy's life work, even though he's still alive. Like obviously this is a thing. People will be like, oh yeah, that's the Marley and Me guy. His memoir inspired a movie. So I guess I shouldn't be that down on him. And how do you make like somebody's articles interesting? I guess it's hard. He is a baby boomer. He was born in 1957. Oh, so. <laughs> I don't know. That's also fine. I'm fine with boomers on dogs and everyone. And everything. In perpetuity. Yeah, no, that's totally fine. It's just we were talking about yeah his age and uh, when this was about. I don't know. Yeah, who this might be appealing to. Oh, I don't we know. should go find him and demand money back, even though we didn't see this in theaters or whatever. Just like be like, give us money now. We watched your shitty memoir adaptation. And it was dumb. Oh my god, where does he still live in Pennsylvania? Yeah, that's what it said. It says he lives in a Pennsylvania 1790 farmhouse. Mm. All right, so yeah, I'll probably never run into <laughs> yeah, So it can yes. feel safe to disparage him more. <laughs> yeah, it didn't seem like he cared about his kids at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Was it bad dog or was it bad <laughs> Bad dad, dad. yeah. It sucked. <laughs> John Grobin's a neglectful parent and husband and dog owner and reporter. <laughs> yes. All right. This has been your Marley and me episode of Sin Amazing Chats with me, Pablo. And Erica. All right. That's all for now. <laughs> and yeah, good bye. chatting with you. <laughs>